you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Proverbs. In just a few minutes, we're going to look at Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 23. Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 23. But I want to start by saying I really appreciate this passage because it deals with a very important subject, and it does so in a veiled way, if you will. We talk about this particular subject being very important, and we talk about our mixed audience here this morning with little ears. It helps us to be able to have it presented in this way, in which those who are older can can understand what it's talking about and the importance of this subject. And it's very important for us who are married in particular, also those who are not married when you think about it, those who are preparing to get married one day as well. This is a very important subject. But the way that it does it, it uses some veiled language, again, that will help us out this morning. This is part of the whole counsel of God, and we need to hear this. We need to hear it preached. But I will say that this veiled language, if you will, that we're going to mostly use this morning is going to help us in this mixed assembly this morning. We're talking about marital faithfulness here in Proverbs 5. And this is something that is extremely important. And uh, the title for the sermon this morning is Your Own Cistern. Your Own Cistern Dealing with Marital Faithfulness. Let's go ahead and read Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 23. Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 23. Drink water from your own cistern, and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be only your own, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. So obviously, when you look at what this is talking about, it is using figurative language. And we ask the question, what is your cistern? Well, that would be your spouse, the one that you should be faithful to in all things if you are married. Verses 15 and 16, as we go back through, says, Drink water from your own cistern, and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? In other words, God designed, His design from the beginning was male and female. One male, one female, for life in this thing called marriage. Genesis chapter 2. That includes faithfulness in sexual purity. Verse number 17 says, Let them be only your own, only your own, and not for strangers with you. You take a look at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2, as we cross-reference this. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2 
says, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Therefore, there is this sense of ownership, if you will, in belonging to one another, not to someone else. And so, men, if she's someone else's wife, then she does not belong to you. And ladies, if he is someone else's husband, then he does not belong to you either. Exodus 20, verse 17, as part of the Ten Commandments, says, You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And the converse, of course, is also true. You, you should not cover, covet your neighbor's uh, husband as well, and that is implied there. You shall not covet your neighbor's spouse. And the same principle, of course, carries over into the New Testament. But did you know that a 2021, this is a very recent survey, reported that 46% of respondents in monogamous relationships said that they had affairs? 46%. And we wonder why the divorce rate is around 50%. That is well over four out of every 10, and it is almost to that 50%. What about a 2020 study that reported that a dating site for married people, that is a dating site encouraging married people to seek something else, seek someone else, had an increase of, get this, 1,500 new users per day in the year 2019 to 2020. 1,500 new users a day. Houston, we have a problem. Society, we should say, has a problem. Verses 18 through 20, if you look back through and, and you can read through that again, Verses 18 through 20, Solomon warns his son here about the particularly strong temptations in this regard that a man may face. He basically says, you need to be so focused on the wife of your youth. Adore her, love her, so that you don't have time to even entertain the very thought of being with someone else, of being unfaithful. Solomon has a lot more to say about this particular subject in the book of Proverbs. Just a few more that we will notice briefly. He has some really good to, things to say right here in chapter 5, including the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end she is what? Bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, verses 3 and 4 here in chapter 5. Verse number 8, remove your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. And then Solomon lists a whole lot of consequences if you do. What about Proverbs 6? Proverbs 6, verses 24 through 29. Proverbs 6, verses 24 through 29, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals, and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. 
But finally, we want to look at verse uh, or chapter seven, verses six through twenty-seven, and we want to read this very quickly in Proverbs. That is Proverbs seven, verses six through twenty-seven. Proverbs six verses or Proverbs seven verses six through twenty-seven says, "For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice." And saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of night. Why would he do that? He's trying to remain hidden, isn't he? And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. In other words, you know, I've already uh, basically went through the steps to try to get forgiveness of this in advance. That's not how this works. Verse 15, so I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stalks, till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. So Solomon says, basically, it was a trap. It was a trap. And it cost him his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Verses 21 through 23 are the bottom line. Back to Proverbs 5, verses 21 through 23. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. God sees everything. God knows our activities. He knows where we are. Moses said in Numbers 32, verse 23, your sin will find you out. God knows, and many a sinful deed has been committed alongside a whisper, nobody has to know. And then the whole world finds out, because they do know, because it gets out, and marriages and lives are ruined. For what? For just a fleeting moment of passing pleasure. But what did it cost? It cost everything. 
I want to share with you a quote this morning on this particular subject that I thought was excellent. And this is from Trey Morgan. He lives in Texas and he does marriage workshops in the Brotherhood. But I saw this quote and I said, this, is, this sums it up right here. Marriage doesn't cure lust. Self-control is still required. Lust does not care if you are single or married. You may be Solomon in wisdom, David in praise, or Abraham in faith. But if you're not Joseph in discipline, you will end up like Samson in destruction. Now, I want you to think about that, and I want you to trace your, mi trace your mind through the Old Testament and think about all of those men this morning. Think about the things that they did and, and their exploits that are recorded for us and their faith and, and everything that is recorded. But is that not a true statement? We've got to be like Joseph. We've got to have our minds made up. Solomon, David, Abraham, men of faith, men of wisdom, men of praise. And yet, Solomon had a problem with women, didn't he? Was it 700 wives and 300 concubines brought him away from the Lord? David, he had a problem with Bathsheba. Abraham, you know what he did? He told half-truths about his wife a couple of times and was willing to give his wife up to another man. And Of course, we know the rest of the story. It didn't take place, but these are men who were capable of, capable of making mistakes, tremendous mistakes in this area of life. And so we need to be Joseph. Of course, we know from the story in Genesis that Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers. And while there, he ends up in prison. But eventually, you know the rest of the story, things turn out for the better for Joseph. But what got him in prison in the first place? It was a false accusation. Potiphar's wife, she tempted him day by day. She tempted him, the Bible says. But in Genesis 39, verse 12, we read that she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Joseph was determined. Joseph was disciplined. He made up his mind that he was not going to participate. He was not going to sin against his God and against his master. What about Samson on the other hand? Samson is the polar opposite of Joseph, isn't he? Samson, you'll remember, reading in the book of Judges, was with a woman who seduced him by the name of Delilah. And she succeeded. And eventually she persuaded Samson to give up the secret to his strength. His hair was cut and the Israelites suffered grave defeat because of his sin and the allure of the seductress Delilah. So again, I'll read you this quote. Marriage does not cure lust. Self-control is still required. Lust does not care if you are single or married. You may be Solomon in wisdom, David in praise, or Abraham in faith, but if you're not 
Joseph in discipline, you will end up like Samson in destruction. I want to finish this morning by looking at a list of ten things that are important for all of us who are married as well as those who are planning on getting married one day. Ten things to affair-proof your marriage. This is not an all-inclusive list, but it is a good start. It's something that will help us, and this is in no particular order. Number one, don't let your closest, most intimate associations and friendships be with members of the opposite sex. I'm not saying that you cannot be friends, but I am saying that you need to keep the proper boundaries when it comes to the opposite sex, which means that they don't need to be your absolute best friend in the world that you tell every single thing to. And you say, okay, my spouse does this. I'm going to complain to this person about my spouse over and over and over again. And just think logically what that can lead to temptation-wise. First Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2. 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2 says that Christians are to treat the younger men like brothers and to treat the younger women like sisters. And Timothy was told with all purity. You know what that means? That means you have proper boundaries. It means that you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, as brothers and sisters, as family, but it remains pure in all of these relationships and appropriate. Number two, don't laugh, joke, or talk about matters of marital intimacy with friends, co-workers, etc. You can call it locker room talk all you want, but it doesn't make it appropriate. People used to be a lot more bashful and ashamed to talk about certain things, but it seems as if it's not that way anymore. People will talk about just about anything, including things they should be ashamed of to be talking about in public. Number three, don't say things to a person or send messages to a person of the opposite sex that your spouse or future spouse would not approve of. Number four, do share your passwords of your phone, your social media accounts, etc., with your spouse. Someone says, well, I have a right to my privacy. When you got married, you became one with your husband or with your wife. You became one with that person. And so we have this in mind, and that is that they have a right to a free flow of communication and information with you as needed. And that includes things like passwords. Number five, avoid explicit material that incites lust, whether that be online or in print form, including images, videos, and words, romance novels included. This is increasingly becoming one of the most common addictions in the world. And sometimes mere curiosity killed the cat. 
And parents, let me say this to you this morning, and again, we're using mostly veiled language, but you need to talk to your kids about this stuff. I guarantee you they're hearing about this stuff younger and younger. You need to start young, and you need to teach them the truth regarding these subjects, because if you don't, others will teach them perversion about these things. And they might just stumble upon it. Some of this stuff can be stumbled upon without even looking for it. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, verses 27 through 30. You have heard that it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. The eyes are the window to the soul. And Jesus more or less says that a little bit later in Matthew 6, verses 22 and 23. The eyes are the window to the soul. If your eye is evil, the heart will be evil in its thoughts. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. As we sometimes teach the young people to sing in their songs. And like Job, make a covenant with your eyes not to look. Job 31. Verse 1. Number 6. Don't advertise yourself as available for extramarital activity. Sometimes people do this by the way they present themselves, by the way that they dress. Flirtation, excessive complimentation towards someone who's not your spouse. Don't advertise. Don't say, hey, look at me, I am available. Or maybe they take it completely the wrong way and you're not available, but they think you are because you're not being discreet. Discretion is important when you're married. Discretion is important when you're a Christian. Number seven, don't be in a compromising situation alone in a room with the door closed with someone of the opposite sex. Number eight, be mindful of any and all temptations that may come in the workplace and quickly cut them off. As Barney Fife said, nip them in the bud. Sometimes someone may use a double entendre that can be taken one of two ways, trying to fill you out to see if you're going to take the bait. Don't take the bait. Don't laugh. Don't ask for more. I remember Glenn Colley in a marriage seminar that we attended down in Texas last year. He said that one time, I think he was in an elevator with someone, and a lady looked at him and said, you smell good. And she said it like that. That could be said innocently, or it could be said inappropriately. Don't take the bait. That brings me to the next one, number nine. Find ways to bring your spouse into the conversation often 
love your spouse, talk about your spouse all the time. And in that scenario that Glenn Colley mentioned, on the elevator, you know what he told her? Thank you. He was, he was polite. Thank you. My wife bought that for me, and she loves it. Bring your wife into it or your, or your husband. Finally, number 10, and this is the most important one. Hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against God. Psalm 119, verse 11. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Jesus was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, how did he respond every single time? By quoting Deuteronomy, it is written. We need to hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him. We need to respond when the devil comes calling, it is written. Again, this is not an all-inclusive list this morning, but it's a good start, and it will help you out. Make sure that you keep your mind pure and you're faithful. I know that in an audience this size, it's always a possibility that there may be some history in regard to a subject like this. And this sermon is not to make light of that. It is not to bring up past bad memories or anything like that. But it is a part of the whole counsel of God and something that we need to caution ourselves with. And I will say that we can praise God for His forgiveness as well as not just this area, but all areas of life, of past sin. We can praise God for His forgiveness, His mercy, His grace. I want to close with a final reminder from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, says, Flee sexual immorality, just like who did? Just like Joseph did. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Sometimes we sing, I am mine no more. Christians, we belong to God. And in another sense, we belong, those of us who are married, to our spouses. Let's be faithful to both. Think about these things this morning. If you're in this audience this morning and you're not a Christian, why not today? Why not right now respond in faithful obedience to the gospel this very morning? Believe on Christ with all of your heart. Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. You have to have faith. You have to act out on faith to make it through this life successfully. Repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. If you don't, you'll die. Confess that faith that you have in Christ. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus says, If you're not willing to confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father in heaven. Repent of your sins, make that confession, and be baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins, Acts 2, verse 38. Think about that this morning. Do that if you haven't done that. 
or if you need to come asking for prayers, for strength, for encouragement, we ask that you please come as together we stand and sing. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.